Welcome to the Fiddle Project Podcast, Episode 8, Marin Duffy talks about the design team and the creative process behind Fedora artwork. Welcome to the Fedora Podcast, this is our 8th uh, episode and we are here with Marin Duffy from the Fedora design team. She is the principal interaction designer at Red Hat and he is the leader of the design team in the Fedora Project. Hi Marin. Hi, how are you doing? I'm fine, uh, thank you for... Uh, coming here. I know you are always busy and more when we have the Fedora 28 just launched now. Oh, that's right. That was today. Yeah. Well, I want to talk with you about the design team. What is the design team? What did you do in the Fedora project? So the design team is basically the Fedora project's in-house design agency. And we do everything from branding and logo design and graphics and illustration to um, UX design and um, infographic design, just, you know, workflow design and, you know, occasional usability testing and that kind of thing. Cool. So you are in charge of everything that need that is related with the logo design and the website look and feel and everything like that. Um, well, you know, it, I guess two things. Um, it, first of all, it's definitely like a very collaborative team. I wouldn't say like there's a very strong hierarchy to it. I think it's, um, a lot of people working together so uh, it has like a looser structure than you might think and the other thing i would say is we're not solely exclusive for those things like we share a lot of responsibilities with the teams that we work with so the website's a good example um the websites team and the design team are both responsible for the look and feel and we really work closely together on website issues uh cool and how this design thing start? Because Fedora was start with another logo. Now we have the Infinity logo. So how is this uh, workflow in the Fedora design team? Sure. So um, I want to say the Fedora design team started in like 2005 or 2006. And while it might seem somewhat obvious now in 2018 um, that you can do design in an open process the same way that we do open source code where you know you you follow your entire design process in the public you have a community of people engaged you have volunteers from just a diverse range of nationalities and everything joining in that wasn't always so obvious the design could work that way um, i actually was told when we started the team well, the open source method works for kernel development, but it'll never work for anything related to design or graphics, which, you know, several years later, uh, I guess we've shown that it actually does work. Um, so the idea is, you know, hey, we have Fedora. It's this open source operating system, but all of the design work is kind of happening behind closed doors. Why is that? Why don't we bring some of this design work out into the open? Why don't we try to engage a community? around the practice of design, because there's a lot of people excited about open source. There's a lot of people excited about that culture and wanting to help, but they're not programmers. You know, they, they can't necessarily, or they don't want to help at a technical level in terms of like coding. They'd rather help at a technical level of creating graphics or, you know, usability stuff. So um, that was really where the team kind of came from. It, it started as a Fedora art team because UX design tends to be something you can't really do in a drive-by fashion. You can't just sort of come in and like do a UX design ticket and then be done. 
Um, it's it goes a little bit deeper than that. But with artwork tasks, you know, logos, icon design, small graphics, those are things that you can do at a really atomic level. So if you're a volunteer contributor, you can kind of come in, spend a few hours on a ticket to create a graphic for someone and then be done. So it really started out with the as the art team because it was a lot easier to do it that way. And as the team sort of grow, grew and matured, we sort of expanded our reach and renamed ourselves the Fedora design team because we definitely want to be more involved uh, in UX and usability and sort of deeper uh, issues than just graphics. Oh, cool. Also, I start with the with a community with a with the help from a girl that is in a buster, but she's also a designer and work with Tatika a lot. She introduced me to the Fedora community a lot of years ago. And she was my mentor in, as ambassador. Her work is really amazing. I know she did a lot of flyers and all this kind of stuff that ambassadors use. And normally as ambassadors, we go to the design team to ask for this kind of stuff. For example, the release party posters and if we, uh, we have the sheet cube and we have a lot of uh, sticker designs and that come from the design team. There isn't a specific line of of products that you produce per release base. Uh, what do you mean by product? I don't know, maybe uh, logos or flyers or anything in the website that is a specific per release or you work uh, in, in a continuity. It's not necessarily based on each release. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, there's a few deliverables we have every release that we produce. And depending on, you know, for example, what ambassadors are looking for, or how the website functions over time, that set of deliverables has changed. But the main deliverable that we have that's released to release is the background wallpaper of the Fedora desktop itself. Um, and that's usually a very collaborative process. We usually have many people who have hands, whether it's conceptualizing or mocking it up or doing the final rendering. Every release, that's kind of a cool thing that we do. Um, and yeah, we occasionally will do like release flyers or banners um, that can be put on the website, those kinds of things that are affiliated with the release. But I would say the majority of the work that we do isn't so bound by the release. We tend to do a lot of swag. I actually think we maybe should do less, but I guess that's a conversation for another time. Um, but we do do a lot of swag designs, um, prepping for print. We do um, logos for various projects across Fedora. And sometimes even people from communities outside of Fedora that are open source projects come to our team because we're well known. And they'll ask us to do it as a favor. And we do that sometimes. Uh, we'll do icons for applications, that sort of stuff. And a lot of that stuff, is, it's just not bound to a release. A problem I had before as a marketing representative and also as ambassador is that there are some legal stuff tied to the Fedora logo and their usage. Um, there is a, a specific guide about how or when or where you can use the logo. Yeah, so um, there's a few components to that, I guess. Um, and some of it is, and I, I'm going to preface this by saying I am not a lawyer. So anything that I say does not constitute legal advice or anything like that. Um, there, there's like a number of components to that, right? So there's the actual, the logo as a trademark. We have to be careful in what context the logo is used. You know, for example, um, 
you know, the manufacturer of Fedora toilet paper might not be the best thing for our brand. So, you know, you could use the logo exactly right with the right color values and it's all aligned perfectly. But if it's printed on a piece of toilet paper, maybe no. So there's that. And then there's the actual um, guidelines for the logo in terms of its appearance, right? So, for example, if you're not careful, and I learned this the hard way, <laughs> um, if you're not careful when you send the Fedora logo to the printers, um, oftentimes printers will require colors uh, be in CMYK, which is a certain color space. Um, computers tend to work in RGB, but the way that light displays on a screen um, using the display of, of mixing of colors of light versus the mixing of inks on paper is different. So you need different color models to reproduce colors. Um, so if you send something that's an RGB from a computer to a printer, the Fedora blue tends to come out purple. So there's that sort of component of it too, or things where, you know, for example, if you open up the logo source vector and just start moving things around and scaling things out of whack or misaligning things, we don't like that either. We don't like when the logo is placed next to other logos. There's specific guidelines that come into play. Or if people add components to the logo, um, we don't like people doing that either. So, for example, if somebody takes the Fedora logo and then puts something underneath, and, you know, there's there's different levels to that. Like, I'll use the toilet paper example again. So maybe somebody takes the Fedora logo and then underneath in some fancy font, they put toilet paper and they put it right up against the logo. So it seems like there's this new product, Fedora toilet paper. We don't want people doing that either because they're sort of adding on a component that's not approved. Um, so we have like different templates that are pre-approved. If you go to, um, I have it memorized, it's uh, fedoraproject.org slash wiki slash uh, logo slash capital U usage, capital G guidelines that has sort of these branding guidelines for the actual usage of the logo. Like don't change the font, don't change the size, don't add components to it. Um, use this color palette. It has all those, that level, which is sort of like the visual look of it. Um, in terms of like trademarks and licensing, um, there's a sub page under the wiki. It's like fedoraproject.org slash wiki slash legal. And it, somewhere in there, it talks about like trademark guidelines. And um, there's some of those components about usage of the Fedora logo as a trademark is in there as well. Um, I guess on top of that, if you're looking to use the Fedora logo on something and like selling it for money, whether or not you're covering costs or if you're making a little extra on the top, that sort of thing is not something that, say, the design team deals with or even Fedora Legal deals with. That's a Fedora Council thing. So you'd have to open up a ticket with the Fedora Council and say something like, you know, I want to hand out Fedora or I have a T-shirt company and I want to create Fedora T-shirts and put them for sale on my website. Can I have permission to do that? Um, you, you have to get their approval to do that sort of thing. So there's sort of maybe three or four different components there. Yeah, I remember the some years ago there's there was a stuff called a Tux Crystal. There is a lot of Tuxes with several customs or designs, and one of the I one I love is the Fedora one. But I remember that I was told that I cannot use that because it's not approved by the design team or even by the council to use uh, the Fedora logo with that Tux or, or any other or over any other kind of logo that represents another part or a specific software outside. 
Right. Yeah. And like the thing, the thing about that, like there's two dimensions to that because Tuck says a logo is a trademark. And I believe I may not be correct, but I believe Tux as a trademark is owned by the Linux Foundation. So whenever you combine two different trademarks, you sort of enter into like this legal uh, zone that you might not want to be in. Um, you definitely have to be in constant in contact with both trademark owners and have their consent. And usually that's a really difficult thing. So it's probably not worth even trying. So there's that dimension to it. And then there's also sort of just the design aesthetic dimension to it. So even if you're combining Fedora with another trademark and it looks great and the design team says, hey, that's great aesthetically and conceptually, you have to have the permission of the trademark owners. And that's where you get into legal territory. So that situation where you're mixing up uh, the Fedora logo with the Tux trademark, you're sort of straddling both zones there um, in terms of. You know, it's not just the design team's call. It's also like a legal thing. And I think sometimes maybe we get painted as like a bad guy because we're not letting people do fun things. But there's a lot of dimensions um, and reasons that we make the calls that we make. Um, so where, where I hope that helps people. <laughs> yeah, that's where legal stuff became tricky. In your yeah. The, the main people that used to come to or go to the the design team is ambassadors, right? I mean, they are uh, always being in conference, uh, showing the product, showing the, the software, and trying to highlight how work, how great is the community. So there's a place where they can get all the design stuff, for example, I don't know, like Swag, like the Sheet Cube, or, or they have to request uh, every time they're going to use uh, everything they need to create a ticket or an issue or a way to communicate with you to get these products? Yeah, so we've actually tried a few times to have almost like a catalog of ready-to-go designs that ambassadors could just download if they wanted to have some t-shirts printed up or that sort of thing. Um, but we're designers, we're not developers, and sort of off-the-shelf software, even if off-the-shelf software existed for this that was open source. We'd have to work with infrastructure and like sometimes applications we look at infrastructure teams less than enthused about deploying them. And I'm not saying that to like, you know, throw them in front of a bus or anything. It's more, you know, there, there's like a lot. Of, it's, it's a complicated situation, right? So anyway, we've tried all sorts of different schemes. We've tried a shared drive on Fedora people. So if you go to like fedorapeople.org slash groups, no, slash SRV slash groups slash design team or something like that, you'll see our old shared drive that we had. Um, we've tried Sparkle Share and Git. Uh, the problem that that has is, um, especially for folks who like don't have a lot of bandwidth, it, it over time it just became multiple gigs and it could take like a day to sync the repo, which was ridiculous. So then we tried doing multiple smaller repos, but then that got to be a mess because then we had to have admins to create new repos and it got out of hand. So, I mean, our current scheme right now is because we've migrated to Pagora as our ticketing system and Pagora is completely backed by Git. Basically, when we get a request coming in for like a T-shirt or a poster or that sort of thing, we will attach our source files and we will attach the print ready files to that ticket in Pagor and then like close it out. And if somebody just wants something basic 
like a t-shirt or a poster or something that's generic. For the most part, they can search our Pagor, like the main design team, Pagor issues. Make sure you search closed issues. But for the most part, they should be able to find a lot of artwork that way. It's not organized as a neat catalog. You know, maybe if somebody out there um, has the skill to sort of do a, a web front end on top of that, that would be awesome. But, um, I mean, it's a way right now. And then we also have a side repo on Pagor. I think it's called Design-Assets. I don't know off the top of my head, but if you look around at Pagor, it's under the Fedora Design Group. Um, but we have another one that's just sort of super basic stuff, like the logo in CMYK, a basic design for a T-shirt that is just the Fedora logo. Um, that just, you know, uh, the logo that's scaled for printing out on a ballpoint pen, that kind of stuff we have in that side repo too. But I don't think a lot of people know about it or use it. So I think moving forward, the main design repo is probably the way we're going to go. Yeah, I crossed with that problem a lot of times. Actually, in the wiki, we had a part that's called marketing collateral or something like that, where people sent... Oh, gosh, yeah. Those are really outdated, and I hope people don't use them anymore, because some of those are older than... They're pretty old. It was awful. The most updated was from Fedora 17. So I was like, no, please, don't grab stuff from there. Go to the design team of yours, please. Also, I was working a lot uh, with the manager, and Maria Leonova was the one working with the, from the design team, and she said, what? And I said, yeah, I know what. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't understand why either, but, well, yeah. I have seen stuff older than that. Like, I've seen, like, before it was Fedora, like, Fedora Core 5 stuff getting used yeah. somewhat recently. Not good. <laughs> no, sure. I, was, uh, I don't know. People sometimes uh, just need uh, go with their urgency, you know. They need something. Right. And they grab the first thing they uh, they can grab. Uh, the design team produces lots of stuff, and I think uh, you have a, a easy onboarding process. But I'm not actually sure how it is. So can you tell me how is how the onboarding process works from the design team? Well, so there's there's two types of things we work on, and for release related stuff. You know, for example, the wallpaper. The wallpaper is something that sort of takes place over months at the beginning of a release cycle. So, like, say today we just released Fedora 28. So probably in the next couple weeks or so um, on the design team mailing list, we'll probably start talking about, hey, you know, we might want to start thinking about what are we going to do for uh, Fedora 29. And what we do, which is sort of a um, – it used to be that Fedora had code names. and for better or for worse, what we tried to do was sort of encode the code name in the concept for the wallpaper art. Um, for some releases, that worked better than others, depending on the code name, because they <laughs> tended to not be very nice, um, or at least aesthetically pleasing. Um, so since then, I want to say, because we, we stopped doing that several releases ago, but it's kind of hard to just sort of create a wallpaper out of nothing. like. Any any design, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's an illustration or even like a robot or you know, something that you're building. You have to have a concept behind it. Like you, it has to have some meat. So um, you, you can't just create from nothing. So what we decided to do since Fedora is sort of, um, I want to say like like one of the four Fs is first. 
and then another F is features. We kind of tend to focus on moving technology forward, and we also kind of want to be inclusive. So we decided that we would highlight different famous technologists, um, mathematicians, science, anybody who's technical. We wanted to sort of pick someone per release and then just riff off something about their career or what they discovered or what they invented and have that be reflected in the artwork. And it's not like a very direct relationship all the time. The one that I'm most proud of is um, a couple of releases ago, I think it was F26. Um, the who, It was Alexander Graham Bell. So that was B. We do it in alphabetical order, too. The first was Archimedes. The second was Bell. The third was Cousteau. Um, struggling to... Oh, Emily Duncan was the most recent one. Um, so we tried to do them in alphabetical order by last name, too. But for F26, it was Alexander Graham Bell. And among many other things, um, he's credited with developing the telephone. So we thought about, like, we started just riffing off different ideas, and we go through different visuals. And again, this is like something that spans months, you know. But we sort of honed in on, we liked imagery that involved sound waves, because sound waves can kind of look cool. And we found some, you know, we're just looking for, like, inspiration, right? Um, we found some images that, like, dealt with transforming sound waves into objects. Um, and we thought that was kind of cool. So what happened is um, Kyle Conway, who is a design team member, recorded himself saying the word fedora and then took that sound wave and transformed the bars of the sound wave into trees and reflected them in water because, you know, trees go up. And sound waves are somewhat parallel. Um, what's the right word? They're sort of reflected across an x-axis. So he designed the trees for the top half of the curve and then reflected them. So it's sort of like this landscape with trees on an island, and the trees are reflected in the water. Um, so that's that's where that background comes from. And you might not realize that just from working, just from looking at it fresh, not knowing. But it has that tie to like the telephone and sound waves and Alexander Graham Bell. So we try to follow sort of a pretty a pretty regimented process for going from concept to final art just for the wallpaper. And again, that's something we do like clockwork every release. Um, and that wallpaper, like I, I've gone into such depth on how we do the wallpaper because that the, the other release graphics sort of key off that, like they might use the wallpaper elements of the wallpaper in them. So that's sort of the most important thing we do every release. For stuff that's not release bound, like somebody needs an icon or a logo for their project, basically the process is, um, for the most part, we meet in IRC for an hour every other week in Pound Fedora Design. And we just go through our tickets. We do like ticket triage and, you know, different discussions of what we're working on. So pretty much no matter when you file a ticket with our team, somebody should look at it, you know, within at least or yeah, well, at the most, actually two weeks, somebody should look at it and triage it. Um, you know, from time to time that doesn't happen, but you know, we, we try our best. And so if you want a logo, you file a ticket. We have different templates in our ticket system. So like if you say I want a logo versus I want swag or whatever, it asks you different questions. Um, so fill out the questions to the best of your knowledge. And then we'll start, you know, we'll triage the ticket, try to determine any information that we need from you that you didn't give us. 
And then either somebody from the team who's in the meeting will pick up the ticket or we'll advertise it to other team members on the list who maybe can't make the meetings. Someone will pick up the ticket, start sketching out things, you know, and there's just that usual back and forth. And then once the, once the ticket is completed and the assets are created, we upload print ready stuff. We upload the sources. We upload everything to the ticket and use the ticket as sort of the file store. And then you're off. It's done and we close the ticket. So it's sort of two different workflows based on what kind of asset we're creating. Please don't hate me for this, but I still use that wallpaper because I don't like the jellyfish stuff. I still have the, the Fedora 26 wallpaper in my desktop, even when uh, I'm using Fedora yeah, 26, 27, sorry. You know, it seems like a lot of people really, they either really loved the F26 wallpaper or they really hated it. Like there seemed to be extreme reactions. It was definitely a departure in terms of it was very light. Usually our warm wallpapers are mostly blue. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I've gotten long private email treatises on how if you use any other color besides blue, all the bad things that that mean. Oh, my goodness. I could I could write a novel about it. So that's like I've been very sort of cautious and like trying to keep it to blue because I don't want to upset people. But with that one, we sort of departed from that a little bit. It's It's heavy on black and it's very... It's very overall. It's a very white wallpaper, um, so you might guess which camps like it and which don't. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think if a design is good, sometimes it can provoke extreme reactions. Like I really love this or I really hate this. So you know, I think maybe the folks we please with F twenty six, that's great. You can keep using it. You don't have to change it if you don't want to. And maybe those folks that we didn't reach with that wallpaper, maybe they like the jellyfish one, because that one was mostly blue. So, I mean, we have to, you can't, you can't please 100% of people all the time. You just can't. So, you know, we just try to change it up and do what we can. The Fedora 28 also looks great, but I don't know. I have this one has something that appeals to me. I don't know why. It maybe looks deep in the forest or something. Uh, there is a, a question I have, because there is a thing we have that is called Fedora Batch. How is this Fedora Batch work with the design team? What is this? Fedora Batch? Fedora oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fedora Badges are great because um, it's it's sort of a separate project, but then like the actual artwork of the badges is maintained by the Fedora design team. Um, and uh, Marie and Maria are really good about, they, they sort of meet on a separate schedule from the main design team, and they do ticket triage for the badge artwork. Um, the reason that I say that it's kind of a really good project for the design team to get involved with is badges have like Marie, she was my intern when we first created the badge artwork guidelines. So she put together an amazing style guideline, um, just booklet to walk people through. This is how you design a badge. You know, these are the elements you can use. This is how the color codes work. These are different assets of like badgers and pandas and whatnot that you can use in creating your own badge. And um, so it makes it really easy, even if you've never interacted with the badges platform or you're not familiar with our artwork, to sort of get up to speed. And then um, both she and Maria do this workshop. Um, they've done it at Flock, I think, a couple of times, and they've done it at other conferences where they sort of do a little Inkscape boot camp and they show people how to use Inkscape. And then they open up the badge templates, which, um, you know, Marie put together badge template files. 
And then um, everybody who's doing the workshop can pick up a badge that needs artwork. Like they can pick up a ticket to do it. And they create it during the course of the workshop. It's um, a really neat experience. And if you're planning to attend Flock and you see that on the schedule, definitely go if you're curious about this stuff because you'll you walk out of it having new Inkscape skills, which is always useful. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I don't know if you want me to go into sort of badges as a platform and how badges work, but in terms of the artwork, um, that's how it works. And it's, it's a good, it's good for the design team to be involved too, because badges tend to be small atomic tasks, you know, just to put together the artwork. And a lot of times, depending on the badge, you can just remix artwork that's already been created for other badges. Um, so even if you're not like a talented illustrator, but you have some design sense, you can grab pieces and components of other badges to create a new one. Um, so it's a really good entry level task for a would be design team member to do to sort of learn our processes and get used to Inkscape and that kind of stuff. That is my, my other question. There isn't a specific uh, software that you need to use to make designs. It's just Inkscape, maybe GIMP, or anything related. So, um, I, I, it's sort of like a religious thing in a sense, like whether or not you use open source software or what operating system you use and that kind of stuff. And in the past, I've definitely been, as like the team leader and just as a human being, I've been much more hardline and almost uh, maybe mean about it. Um, I think I've softened up lately. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the main thing that we require, and there's a lot of practical reasons, the main thing we require is that you're using open source tools and open source formats to create the artwork. The reason that I bring up this sort of, oh, you know, I've been really hardline about this in the past, um, is that there's two types of folks who come to the design team when they're just starting out. There's people who are very invested in open source and culture and maybe even are technical. So they're sort of, they get open source, they get Fedora, but they have to learn design because they don't have that skill. And then there's people who are talented designers, they're talented artists, but maybe they don't know so much about open source. So they might come to us and they're not using Linux and maybe they've never used Linux before. Or they've never used Inkscape. Um, so you know, I mean, the main thing is, like, we want people to come into our community. We want to work together with them. And I think everyone, like, Ryan Lurch, who's my colleague at Red Hat and on the Fedora design team, has kind of this interesting term he uses, their RMS line. You know, RMS being Richard Stallman. So everybody has, like, a personal RMS line. And um, I think that if we want to increase the number of people involved in open source, because that'll make it better if we're smart about it. Just increasing people doesn't make it better, but in terms of growing the community and having more resources, that, that definitely helps. Um, we also want more users of open source software because we want as many people as possible to enjoy software freedom, right? So if I have a bouncer at the door of my Fedora club and I say, oh, you're using a Mac, you're not allowed in, go away. I mean, that's sort of not very nice, right? Like, it's sort of, um, it's not very welcoming. So understanding that most designers today, as sad and, you know, upset as that makes me to think about, um, most designers today use Macs. So if we don't let people in the door if they're using a Mac, then we're 
probably missing out on a lot of talent, a lot of people that, you know, we could easily convert to using Linux at some future point, but we're never going to get them there if we don't even let them in the door. So at this point, and this is a very long-winded way of saying, um, I'm okay if you use a Mac and you come to the design team. If that's your background, that's fine. But I really must insist that you use the open source tools on top of the OS. So I really want people using Inkscape. If somebody comes to the design team and it's using Illustrator or Photoshop, the problem is Illustrator can export SVG, but it doesn't use SVG at its core. Photoshop can it actually can't save out XCF, which is the GIMP native format. Um, it can save out flat bitmap files. And GIMP can open PSD files, which is the main Photoshop format, but there's different things that it doesn't support in those files. And I mean, the thing is, is I want anybody coming to the team who doesn't have however much money it costs to get the Adobe suite, um, you know, it's a lot of money. I don't want you to have to pay a certain amount of money just to be able to participate on the team. And if we have people producing files that you need a certain expensive program to work with, then that excludes people. So my thought is that you need to use Inkscape, you need to use GIMP, you need to use the open formats to level the playing field. So no matter what resources you have, monetary or otherwise, you have a shot at joining the team and being productive and interacting with us. And I, I also kind of, I, I've long thought that a lot of the work we do in Fedora on the design team kind of serves as a showcase for what the open source tools we ship are capable of. You know, like the wallpaper that we just put out for Fedora 28, we created that with a combination of, well, actually, it was mostly Blender. Um, and that's a tool we ship with Fedora. The F26 wallpaper we were talking about that uh, kind of emulates the sound waves, that was something that was created with Inkscape. So anything that you see in Fedora's artwork was created with tools in Fedora. So it sort of shows what you can do with Fedora, what you can make. So there's sort of that thing, too. So, yes, basically, you know, in summary, if you're a talented designer and you use a Mac, that's fine. There's no problem, but install Inkscape, and we're happy to teach you how to use it. We have a lot of resources that we can point you to, but that's sort of where the design team's Richard Stallman line is, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Also, um, this Mac thing is happening not in, developing, in the developer's work, too, so don't feel bad about it. There's a lot of people using Macs out there, and we need to reach them all. Yeah, I mean, I guess in one sense, the Macs are closer to Unix, so maybe that's okay. But yeah, I just, I'd rather more people, and even if it's not Fedora, I would just rather more people using Linux. And I'd rather more people using Linux who are all across the disciplines, not just development. And I mean, I've been using Linux as my primary operating system a little bit longer than I've been working at Red Hat. So that's, that's a pretty long time. Um, and I mean, I, I've grown up and uh, my skills have developed as the actual tools available in open source have developed and grown. Um, but I mean, if you're just starting out now, the, the tools are absolutely professional grade. Like, honestly, there is no excuse. I get if you have 20 years of experience using Illustrator or Photoshop or, you know, the company that you work with requires whatever, fine. But it, like, if you're a student, just starting out and you don't have any baggage, there's no reason why you couldn't use the open source tools on top of Linux and produce incredible professional work. There's just no excuse. 
Yeah, sure. Also, I'm using Linux since, uh, I don't know, maybe 2009, 2000, no, less and less, like maybe 2005. And right now it's a lot of, a lot easier than, than then. Maybe people just need to make the jump to Linux and see how easy it is to use it now. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and I, I occasionally, like, I hear from designers, like, you know, oh, I'd love to use GAMP, but, oh, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do that. And they have information about GAMP that's, like, 15 years old. You know what I mean? Like, GAMP is capable of a lot. It's the development, you know, okay, so the releases don't come super quick. But even so, I mean, what's available today versus, you know, when I played with GIMP in high school, it's totally, totally different. It's like a totally different story. But I, I feel like sometimes somebody will try it out, like they'll test the waters and they'll have a bad experience and they just won't come back, even if it's years and years and years. I don't know how we change that kind of perception because then they'll spread it around too. You know what I mean? You have So there is any word or anything you want to say to the people that they're listening to our podcast? Come to Fedora if you want to contribute to open source. I think it's a great, friendly community. There's so many different skill sets that we support in terms of being a designer. If you're a designer and you'd like to contribute to open source, the Fedora design team is a great place to start. Uh, just a, a last thing. Uh, when people can find the design team to make contact and start to work with you? So we have a wiki page. It's... Um, fedoraproject.org slash wiki slash capital D design. And we have um, a subpage on there linked on the main front page that talks about it's, I think it's slash design slash join us, but it, it basically has step-by-step. Step. We actually have a pretty solid workflow for joining and we kind of walk you through that process. Sure. I help people come here to, to join us. And thanks a lot, uh, Mary, for, for your company and your conversation here. I hope a lot of people will join soon to the design team. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Well, uh, this is all for this episode of the podcast, and i see you in two more weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Fedora podcast. See you in two weeks with more interesting interviews.